17 minutes it is uh, before the uh, top of the hour. We now shift our attention to, uh, I guess, the big issue in these particular elections. And that certainly has to be the uh, state of uh, health of our economy. And uh, more importantly, uh, some of the uh, economic interventions that we've seen in the fifth administration. And uh, uh, we take this opportunity to reflect on some of those. And I'm joined uh, now on the line by uh, the uh, minister uh, in the department uh, or in the economic development department and uh, uh, I, I do understand that the, I guess the minister was uh, had his last day at the end of uh, last week but uh, no better opportunity than now to take stock of uh, what that uh, particular uh, department has achieved and uh, Ibrahim Patel uh, joins me now on the line to take us through of course some of the key milestones here and more importantly uh, what he thinks are going to be the major economic priorities of the sixth administration. Minister good evening to you and uh, thank you so much for taking time out uh, to uh, speak to us this evening. Uh, good evening Ayabonga and, uh, and a very warm good evening to all the listeners. Minister, when you take stock certainly of uh, uh, the uh, fifth administration and uh, uh, over the last five years or so since 2014, and you look at uh, the uh, performance of the South African economy and, uh, uh, of course, as a result of some of the interventions that uh, you've spearheaded along some of your, alongside some of your colleagues in the economic cluster, and you compare that to the performance of the global economy, because we do know that the South African economy doesn't exist uh, in isolation or in a vacuum. We don't exercise uh, autarky in South Africa. And so, uh, you know, it makes for a perfect comparison to take a look at what we've achieved in the last five years or so alongside maybe whatever comparable other nations that we have and the global economy more broadly. Well, thank you very much, uh, Ayabonga. I would start by saying that uh, the last five years has been a complex story in the global economy. We've seen the the rise of greater protectionist policies by uh, uh, the northern uh, uh, powerhouses uh, led by the United States but also the closing of, of immigration in, um, uh, in the European Union and the, the uh, uh, beginning of what looks like uh, an exit of the UK from Europe. That's been, on the one hand, uh, a constraining thing because it's meant that um, uh, the environment within which South African businesses operate has been more demanding and more difficult. African growth slowed down somewhat in this period, uh, compared to the previous period, it's mm. still relatively robust, uh, but it's not at the at the record levels it was. China's gone through a rebalancing in the last five years. Now, it shifted from infrastructure-led growth to much more domestic consumption, and that impacts on our local economy in one direct way, and that is demand for South African commodities, uh, iron, uh, iron ore, coal, and so on, become a little bit softer when the, the Chinese economy shifts to, to, to an inward uh, consumption-led growth. So this has been on the one hand. On the other hand, we've um, also had uh, a drought in this five-year period. We've had a significant uh, rise in the number of people entering the labor market. And we've had uh, some good news also. The good news include the fact, uh, and I don't know if you, if you know this, um, uh, Ayabonga, and if uh, many of the the listeners may, may be delighted to know that in this last uh, five years, we overtook China as the world's second largest exporter of citrus fruit. And South mm. Africa also achieved its highest ever uh, soybean uh, crop. Uh, we've had uh, jobs growth, fairly robust jobs growth, I must say, 358,000 net new jobs in the last five years. 
but also a growth in uh, youth unemployment. Many more young people uh, leaving university, leaving high school, uh, looking for jobs, and, uh, and struggling in many cases to find it. So a mixed bag with some real gains, some real challenges. And, of course, the big storyline over this period has also been the question of um, uh, dealing with corruption mm. because of its, uh, its negative effect on the economy. It's not only a moral issue. Of course, it's a moral issue. But also corruption eats away at the economy and at jobs. And in this five-year period, we saw President um, Ramaphosa elected uh, to lead the country. And he's held a successful job summit mm. and an investment conference. And maybe in the next few minutes, we're going to talk yeah. a little bit more about that. So a very big picture, I would say that um, over this five-year period, some real gains, mm. uh, continuing challenges, a few headwinds on the global economy. Uh, and, uh, and, and we're very optimistic about the next five years. Mm. We think for the last 12 to 15 months, we've planted a lot of the seeds that should come to fruition in the next uh, five years. One of the many issues that uh, people have raised, uh, least of all about the economic cluster, and uh, you know, I think you have the DTI, the National uh, Treasury, or the Department of Finance, Department of Small Business Development, and your uh, department, the Economic Development Department, uh, is a sense that uh, uh, people really in, I guess, uh, the public and in the public domain didn't have a very clear sense of who did what where. Uh, and uh, in many instances, we'd even sort of uh, speak quite fondly of uh, the work of the Competition Commission and even some of the work that is being done uh, in the creation of incentives uh, for the auto sector and many other sectors uh, without really knowing where, I guess, uh, the attribution would go, uh, who is charged with that, and, uh, of course, who then uh, exercises the ultimate oversight. And uh, uh, when you look at, I guess, the configuration of uh, the economic cluster uh, within the executive, uh, uh, what are some of the things that, uh, when you reflect, uh, would you say have worked quite well in that configuration, and what do you think probably didn't work as well? Right. Well, I think, uh, let me start with uh, the bits that's uh, worked well. I think we've been able to get uh, real progress on uh, matters like uh, competition policy. Uh, we've had uh, quite a bit of success in some of our agricultural interventions. So overall, in the, in the five years, we've had a significant job growth in agriculture. And we've begun to reset our infrastructure storyline. I, standing back at the end of a five-year period, it seems clear to me that um, one of the, the challenges of having uh, the, the number of ministries and departments that we have is that coordination and cohesion in, in uh, uh, economic uh, measures is more difficult. It's difficult between the many different uh, national agencies and also in the engagement with provinces and uh, local government. And over the last uh, period we've made, we've begun to address that. Uh, I hope I can give you a few examples. Sure. But if you had to stand back and ask me what uh, I think uh, has been some of the gains of the Economic Development Department uh, as one illustration of it, I would, I would uh, briefly... Uh, identify six areas. Uh, Minister, let uh, I know we need to take a spot break quickly, and uh, I don't want us to cut you off, say midway through that list of six. So let's take the break now, and uh, then when we come back, uh, you can outline uh, some of those six, and uh, and uh, we'll also uh, get to hear from some of our callers here uh, who'd like to uh, also reflect alongside us, uh, certainly over the last five years or so. Is that fine?
great stuff. You've got to you've got to go to the market. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm in conversation with uh, the uh, uh, erstwhile economic development minister Ibrahim Patel, and uh, we're to- talking about, I guess, uh, the uh, economic performance uh, of uh, not only the South African economy, but in particular uh, his particular uh, his uh, department over the last five years or so. I'd love to hear from you. Give me a ring on zero eight nine double one zero double three double seven. Now, Minister, before we went to the break, uh, you were outlining what you felt were six major achievements of your department, and I and I felt we must go to uh, the spot break before we do that, uh, so that we don't disturb you. I uh, certainly as you outline some of those. What's, what have some of those been? Right. Uh, so thanks, uh, Ayabonga. Uh, in summary, they would be in the areas of competition, investment, uh, trade measures, uh, broad economic policy, infrastructure funding, and very importantly, uh, action against corruption. In the competition area, uh, the department is responsible for the Competition Amendment Act, and we managed to get... Uh, quite significant and far-reaching changes to that uh, uh, piece of uh, legislation uh, approved by Parliament last year. That was a result of a couple of years of work, uh, sitting down with the uh, trade union movement, with the business community, with small businesses, with young entrepreneurs, and saying to them, what do we need in the legal terrain to be able to, to get more new entrants, more young people coming into the economy? Competition was also very useful because we busted a number of cartels mm. like, uh, and, and dealt with abuse of dominance. And some of the most significant ones were in the auto component sector. You will know, and it was uh, big in the news, the investigation of the banking sector uh, around foreign exchange uh, transactions. Furniture removals was another one. Even the media uh, was in the spotlight. And, of course, the biggest uh, settlement we reached in this period involved the steel industry. And if I have to look at uh, the big agreements we've got in mergers, like Coca-Cola, the ones on AB InBev, Old Mutual, and and saving the Edgars Group, Mm. we're looking at more than 80,000, probably closer to 100,000 jobs that were positively impacted by competition measures. I left out the Edgars group because they had that group gone into bankruptcy. Uh, more than 40,000 direct jobs would have gone uh, in, in that process. And a, a careful partnership between the Unemployment Insurance Fund, the banks, and the landlords helped to save them. But if I move to investment, uh, the IDC, that's the Industrial Development Corporation, reports to the department and in those five years, Ayabonga, uh, it had committed some 72 billion rand of fresh funding to uh, private sector counterparties, which helped to, to save or create another, call it 100,000 jobs. And some of these were big transactions, like we, we partnered with the Chinese to bring a big new auto manufacturing capability to South Africa. And South Africa's first new car-making plant in the last... 45 years was built in Nelson Mandela Bay. Mm. But many of them has also been getting black uh, industrialists into the economy, getting traction for them, helping them to build their businesses. So you'd be delighted to know, as I'm sure many of the listeners would, that one of the large bus companies making buses in South Africa uh, is in fact owned by uh, black South Africans Mm. and has been supported by the IDC. We did a bit of work with the, uh, f- uh, for the presidency on the investment conference, 
And that must stand out as one of the highlights of last year where some 300 billion rand in, uh, in fresh uh, capital spending was, uh, was committed uh, by, by the business community. Moving on as a number three, I would say trade measures to help uh, grow domestic industries. And then a couple stand out, but I'm going to limit myself just to talking about uh, a tariff on sugar. When the sugar farmers mm. hit a major crisis and we looked at the potential for enormous job losses, particularly in KwaZulu-Natal and a few other provinces, we stepped in and, uh, and increased the, the sugar tariff and also helped the metal industry with an innovative measure uh, on scrap metal that beneficiates the stuff locally. Uh, so that's on the trade side. The fourth area I'd like to um, uh, briefly talk about is broader economic policy and some highlights is uh, a bit of work on the social economy, trying to develop a roadmap and the content mm. uh, for a green paper on the social economy. Quite a bit of thinking, reflection, and, and, and proposals around the fourth industrial revolution. And then, of course, the big one, African industrialization. We called uh, Professor Joe Stiglitz, who's a Nobel economics laureate, to, to sit down with us in South Africa and share some of his reflections on how we promote jobs and industrialization on the African continent. And by happy uh, uh, coincidence, not very long after he hosted that, uh, uh, that discussion, President Ramaphosa signed uh, an agreement uh, committing South Africa to a free trade area that will cover eventually 54 countries on the African continent. Moving to my fifth one is infrastructure funding. We worked with National Treasury and helped to, uh, to put together the detail of a 100 billion rand new infrastructure fund that over the next few years will help to promote uh, funding of roads and water facilities and energy and schools and others. And we also uh, helped to secure a 21 billion rand commitment from the BRICS New Development Bank. And then finally, on the anti-corruption side, uh, the department did some work on what the cost of corruption in state capture would be to the economy. And we released these, um, the results of this a number of years back. And we calculated that corruption can cost as much as 27 billion rand a year uh, to the economy. And so the cumulative effect of that is significant. Mm. We replaced uh, KPMG as the auditors of the IDC when they were implicated in, uh, in, in wrongdoing. And we, we, we got the IDC not only to launch a court case against the Gupta family uh, for one of the transactions, but also to, uh, to publicize the names of every company that the IDC supports. Mm. So there is greater transparency sure. and openness out there. If you ask me what stands out for me uh, in all of this, it was what we did in the youth area. It's not enough, but I was really uh, very um, uh, uh, heartened by some of the successes on youth funding to get youth-owned businesses going. Some five billion rand committed in the last uh, in the last five years, uh, mm. Ayabonga. Minister, and uh, I, I 
I'm really grateful that you, you've been able to outline certainly, I guess, some of the salient features of uh, uh, your achievements and, uh, of course, some of the challenges that you've also faced in the last six years or so uh, in such a candid fashion. Uh, and and the, the question that I would ask and many other people would ask is, in the areas where we've been able to intervene in the EDCON matter and uh, in saving some of the jobs and in the rescue work that the IDC has done, many people would say, uh, yes, that's was rescuing existing jobs. But um, if we look at, I guess, fixed capital formation, um, the state of, of play when it comes to investment in our economy, which, which translates into new productive activity and uh, by extension into jobs, uh, we probably haven't done as well. And uh, I, I would want to hear from you, Minister, what you think the logjam has been between uh, policy and some of your own interventions uh, uh, from a public sector perspective and, of course, uh, I guess uh, the um, uh, attendant response from the private sector when it comes to uh, fixed investment. And we're not talking about portfolio investment into the bond and equity markets here, but investment in factories, um, in firms, in plants that can really employ people and really create productive activity in our economy. Where, where have we missed the boat there? So I, I would, uh, I would uh, preface my comments by saying that we've actually been able to create a fair bit of jobs, 358,000 net new jobs. So this is once you take into account jobs that were lost and jobs that were gained. Sure. That's been the impact in the last 12 months. And if you take the five-year period, it's been one and a half million net new jobs. However, we should be able to do a lot more than that if we've got the economy humming as uh, smoothly as, as, as it should. And so I'm going to uh, reflect on that and say a couple of areas that I think we really, we really struggled a little bit. The first was I think the private sector has been very, very concerned about the, the political uh, context, what we call the political economy, over the last five years. And last year we saw an uptick in private sector appetite for long-term risk-taking. So the Reserve Bank figures show that we've had the best uh, foreign direct investment flows into South Africa. So we're not talking portfolio flows, we're talking FDI. Mm. And it, uh, it uh, amounted to about some 71 billion rand, which was the highest for this five-year period. Uh, so that, that's important because what it indicates is the bellwether of investment, what foreign investors are prepared to do, uh, is going in the right direction. Anecdotally, a lot more domestic investors are showing similar appetite. We've seen that with specific examples of investment in, in the mining sector, in, in agriculture, in manufacturing, in a few other areas. But uh, I do think that we must uh, acknowledge that the political economy has been a constraint. Mm. And there's been, I think, what, the, what President Ramaphosa brings for investors is a sense that he understands what it takes to be able to run the ship of state in a way that balances the legitimate uh, interests and needs of investors with a compelling need to transform the economy and create more opportunities for uh, black South Africans and for for, for uh, young people in particular. So that's one area. Mm. Minister, area Minister I want us to maybe pause on, on, on that particular one before you get to the second one, yes. because I think uh, you're making a, a very poignant point there. Uh, when we look at this balance that needs to be struck between, I guess, the considerations that influence investors and in the, in their investment decisions and their risk-taking, 
Um, and we look at uh, balancing that with the interests of redress, social justice, and of course, uh, redistribution in our economy. And you can think of the land issue, you can think of the black industrialist program, you can think of many other interventions uh, that are part and parcel of a, a policy mix of interventions aimed at achieving this kind of redress. We sometimes hear, and I recall speaking to uh, one of the ratings agencies uh, a few months ago, and uh, they said to me, well, you know, if, you, if you're not going to approach the land issue from a market-based approach strictly, uh, then uh, that's going to, of course, raise some alarms and red flags uh, for us uh, here in Manhattan. And I'm interested to hear from you, wh wh what tips would you give to the Sixth Administration and what, what have you learned in the last five years or so about balancing and uh, walking that tightrope uh, in balancing the interests of uh, the local and the global investor community and, of course, uh, the impatient needs for redress and redistribution of people? You're absolutely right. It's quite a quite a, uh, a tightrope to walk. But you know, when when uh, the the uh, ruling party took the decision on land reform, it was initially a degree of panic in the market. But what we were able to do, I think, over the last year, is make two compelling points to uh, to investors. The one is, it's even in their long term interest that we deal with the land question that we have redress. Because long-term investment requires social stability. Mm. And social stability in turn requires that uh, you have a population that buys in on the economic storyline. That we must, we must develop a broader uh, consensus that, uh, that it's a fair society. It's a society that um, everybody has an opportunity. So we've said to them that the land question is about creating conditions of political and social stability in the long term mm. that must underpin uh, any, any successful uh, economy. And, and they accept that. Um, uh, in fact, you know, I went to, 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 to Davos um, uh, uh, in, in January this year, and a number of investors were making the point that they've heard us that this is uh, about creating long-term uh, stability in the country. The second part that we've raised on the land issue is that a carefully uh, structured land reform program can be an important source of growth. If you look at China's growth, I mean, China's um, uh, un unquestionably had one of the most um, impressive uh, rates of growth in the last um, uh, few decades. Mm. And underpinning that was agrarian reform uh, that, uh, in fact, increased the productivity of, of the land mm. and brought more land under cultivation. Now, that means we can't just deal with land reform on its own. We've got to bring in uh, supply of water, fertilizers, fencing, uh, all the support that uh, new farmers and young sure. farmers need, uh, infrastructure like roads and so on to get product to market and so on. But a land reform program can also unleash if properly structured, some productivity. Mm. Now, now, what they've also wanted to hear is, okay, w we see the economic argument, we see the, the stability argument, but it, does this mean that there will be uh, land invasions and land will be taken away in arbitrary ways? And the minute we can say that there's a, a deep commitment uh, by the ruling party, by the ANC, to ensure that we do it in a constitutionally sound way, that it's done with rule of law as, as the underpinnings, uh, they accept it. I mean, you, you won't find every investor being excited about it. Sure, Many of them sure. would say, look, you know, there are risks attendant to this, uh, but they can see that it's a necessary thing we need to do. 
when you have a a deep problem like land hunger and 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 a sense of grievance about land dispossession if you leave it unattended in the end it will solve itself and it may solve itself in ways that uh that society control, comes yeah. to regret mm, exactly mm. Yeah. So the boldness of saying we're going to lead this process and we're going to do it in a constitutionally sound way, I think, as as um, given reassurance in the market. Of course, we've got to get it right, uh, Ayabonga. Mm. We've got to make sure that the land reform program brings more black farmers in, sure. ensures high productivity, and that we bring all the other support elements in place, mm. including partnerships with the large farmers sure. and with the retail sector. Minister, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to let you go, 